and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, March 16th, 2016. Hope everyone's having a great week. Question for you. Would you like to learn how to heal your body and heal the world? Well, we've got a great guest tonight. Angela Levesque is back, and uh, we're going to talk about her book, uh, Healing Environment, The Conscious Creation of Health. We're also going to talk about uh, chronic disease, some of the causes and what uh, you can do for self-care for that. And we're also going to talk about um, connecting to our potential and making meaningful change, how we can kind of, uh, you know, kind of get out of the rut and make things happen. So we're going to bring Angela on in a few moments, but let's uh, do a quick guy's guy update on what's been happening. So as I mentioned, it's March 16th. We had a beautiful day here in New York City, although now the rain clouds are coming in, so it's probably going to rain tonight. But uh, it's been a uh, we had a mellow, mild winter, with the exception of one day when we got 28 inches of snow. We had a couple of really windy rainstorms, but that was about it. Temperature-wise, we really got off easy this year. Um, I remember last year it was cold into June, not just a uh, not just, uh, you know, at this time of year, but into June. I usually look at St. Patrick's Day, which is tomorrow, as the kind of the end of winter. And it's been very accurate for the last uh, couple of decades, except for last year. We were still right smack dab in the middle of winter at this time last year. So uh, very pleased. I took, uh, I had the day to work at home and I took my son out to for a walk in the park and a scooter and everything. And it was a gorgeous day. So I'm very appreciative and happy about that. Let's see what's going on out there in the Guys Guys world. Well, as you know, the whole Guys Guys movement, if you will, began with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, which you can pick up on Amazon or any of the e-tailers in some bookstores. But uh, it's a novel about a story about uh, two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called The Male Sex in the City. So it's kind of a rom-com, kind of a romp. I also... I'm out there pitching the screenplay adaptation, also a TV series adaptation, a pilot and a treatment. And now my agent's asking me for a couple of nonfiction book ideas. So I'm sending in a second proposal, hopefully within about a week from now. And that that should be very special. It's right in the nonfiction guys, guys world and very specific. So we'll see how that goes. You can also catch me on uh, Facebook, Robert Manny Author, uh, Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny Author, and of course, all of our Guys Guys Radio podcasts. All We're over 185 podcasts now and going strong. We're booked through June with great guests. Um, all of our podcasts are on Blog Talk Radio, of course, but also are housed on iTunes, so you can subscribe and download any of them for free. <clears throat> so we encourage you and hope you will do that, and we thank you for listening. And also, thank you for picking up a copy of my book because it's where everything started, and it's a lot of fun. Um, let's see what else is happening out there. Well, we've got in the world of sports, we've got the NCAA basketball tournament gearing up this weekend, so that'll keep everybody distracted for about two weeks. My alma mater, Villanova, is in as a number two seed. They were they were a number one throughout the year for a good part of the year, and then they lost in the finals of the Big East tournament to Seton Hall. It was a great game. Uh, but So they ended up getting a number two seed in the South. I think they're playing in Brooklyn this week, this weekend. And then we've got spring tra- training in baseball, and there's a lot of buzz about the New York Mets and uh, also the Yankees because the Yankees have a great bullpen, but the Mets have great starting pitching. And the Yankees have a lot of uh, veteran leadership on that team, a lot of good hitters. We'll see if they can avoid injury, though, because every year it's the same thing with the Yankees, so many injuries. Uh, and they've got a lot of guys who seem to go down each year. Teixeira is a great player, but he gets hurt a lot. Uh, you know, A-Rod is like 40 now. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury seems to get injured every year. Uh, and even Brett Gardner showed up for camp, and he already has uh, – his wrist hasn't healed yet from last year, and that's, you know, six months ago. So we'll see, though. Spring brings a lot of promise with it. And actually, you can see – I noticed today there's lots of buds on the trees, and they say that's going to be an early spring. And I think we're going to have – flowers uh you know there's crocuses already but um i think we're gonna have leaves on the trees in a couple of weeks the way it's going um what else is happening well in the nfl you've got free agency and so a lot of players are signing and really makes a lot of changes as the jets uh 
They're still looking for a quarterback. They're kind of okay quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, though a lot of people think he did a great job last year. He's looking for big bucks, and they don't want to pay him. So who knows who's going to be their quarterback this year. It could be RG3. Um, I think Colin Kaepernick would fit the Jets. He wants out of San Francisco, and he did play in the Super Bowl, and he's a young guy. And I also I actually saw him play in the first game at the Meadowlands, the the well the, the MetLife Stadium, against the Jets, and he uh, he came in for a play. He wasn't starting, and he just took a handoff and he ran around the end, and uh, for a touchdown. So he's he's got a lot of talent. I think it needs to be harnessed a little bit, but yeah, I think he could be very promising. Uh, if I were the Jets, I would take a look into him. And then also we've got the whole playoff push with the NBA. You've got two really outstanding teams, the Spurs and the uh, Golden State Warriors in the West. And you've got LeBron and his Cavs in the East. I think the Spurs play the Warriors this week. And it's interesting because the Warriors are on track. They have a good shot of breaking the record of 73 wins for the regular season. We'll see what happens. But it's been a good season so far. Our Knicks here in New York, bad. Um, and they're talking about maybe Carmelo Anthony opting out of his no trade clause and going elsewhere next year. I think their biggest mistake personally is that when they signed him to that huge contract, I mean, here's a player who's a great scorer, got a bad knee and uh, they gave him a max hundred million dollar contract and a no trade clause. And what has happened since then? They've gone nowhere. And they also, to get him originally, they traded away half the team to get him where they could have just waited till uh, off season and signed him as a free agent. So the Knicks seem to have trouble getting out of their own way. And they threw $60 million at Phil Jackson, but the only good thing he's done so far is uh, his draft pick, uh, Christian Porzingis, who's been, uh, he's only 20 years old. He's seven foot three and he can drain three point plays. So I think he's going to help them going forward. Uh, Very quickly, we've got, uh, Next week is uh, we've got Good Friday and Easter, which comes early this year. And I'm not sure how they actually decide when Easter is, because I know it's usually around Passover. Now, Passover is April 22nd. So they're like a month apart this year. So uh, anyhow, spring is in season coming up. And I think spring begins this Sunday. Actually, we had daylight savings. I hope everybody's kind of gotten their body together for that. And then the only other piece of big news that I will report here is now it looks like it's going to be Trump and Hillary going at each other. Uh, you know, they, uh, who knows if Trump can get all the delegates he needs to get into the convention? You know, it's amazing when you listen to this guy. He really doesn't have any substance to his plans. If I could, if I could talk about his campaign position in two words, it would be, and forgive my language, but it's you suck. He basically is negative on everything and has strike struck that artery in people of anger and disillusionment and uh, it doesn't matter what he says no matter how outrageous a thing he comes up with people uh, who are who are for him are doubling down i can't believe that he'd get elected president but you never know i don't think hillary's a very strong candidate um i think the only guy who's really authentic uh and really for the people is bernie sanders ted cruz is a is a far right conservative. And I don't think the country is that far right. I mean, he calls, uh, he calls people who, who uh, are against GMOs as anti-science. So that's pretty far to the right. So anyhow, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm just trying to visualize Trump and Hillary at a debate. And it could be embarrassing to even listen to because Trump, I think, will go even further than he's gone uh, in, in the current, uh, the Republican debates in terms of personal insults. And he will do that to Hillary to a higher extent because of, uh, Bill Clinton's pick sexual picadillos. And, uh, it could backfire on him because it's going to look like he's really being verbally abusive to a woman, number one. And also it's just, uh, he's just, uh, nasty and, uh, not very presidential. We'll see how he handles himself, but I would like to hear some substance from him because every time we talk about uh, and he's interviewed, he either plows over the reporters or he, he doesn't have any, any real, his numbers don't add up, whether it is on, uh, you know, making up the deficit, the cost of his so-called wall, his numbers don't add up the trade, how he wants to deal with China with trade deficits. I mean, China could say, you know, we're going to call in our debt. 
he doesn't realize that things are a lot more complicated than he's making it sound. But I think a lot of the population wants to hear simple solutions. They don't want to hear the details. They want to hear, make America great again, and that's it. So we'll see what happens. He's a public figure. He's done a masterful job in self-promoting. And hopefully he'll come through with some substance because, God forbid, if he does get elected, you know, we better fasten our seatbelts because it could be total gridlock or total calamity, or maybe he will get some things solved. We don't know. That's just the way it is. So on we go. Let's talk about our guest tonight, Angela Levesque. First of all, she's a wonderful person, very talented and very intelligent. She's been very kind and helpful to me. So I'm, she did a couple of mini readings for me, and it was really fantastic. I really learned a lot about uh, things I need to know about myself and kind of how to, how to move forward. She is an intuitive lifestyle consultant, awareness coach, and energy healer. So that's pretty unique in itself. She knows that our level of awareness governs every aspect of our lives. So in her work, she bridges science, health, spirituality to assist her clients in understanding how they operate, why they make the choices they make, the importance of the mind-body relationship. She's also got a clinical background as an exercise physiologist, as well as uh, trained in Reiki, healing touch, reconnective healing, hypnosis, and meditation. And this allows her to take an integrative approach to her coaching work. And she also uh, now hosts a weekly radio program called Entanglement Radio on IOM FM. And she's a feature author and editor for OM Times Magazine. And she teaches a lot of classes about conscious weight loss, weight loss, excuse me, intuitive development, meditation, and self-care. Her first book, uh, we're going to touch on again. We, we talked about it a little bit last time. It's called Healing Environment, The Conscious Creation of Health. It's now available. You can probably, best way to pick it up is uh, probably online where you can get anything. But also her website is hestiahealth.com, H-E-S-T-I-A health.com. And tonight, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about not only her book, but she's also going to embark on a, a new portal online. And we'll get into that. And it's going to be all about uh, visions of transdisciplinary dis, trans amalgamations of human potential. So we're going to talk about how we can talk, how we can connect to our potential and making meaningful change as well as chronic disease and her book. Now, one thing I want to mention about chronic diseases, you know, we're not, uh, I'm not a doctor here and Angela is a healer, but we're, uh, you know, it's the medical, it's not really medical advice. It's, uh, it's guidance in terms of uh, things to consider, why you might have gotten something, uh, self-care ideas, but, uh, you know, it's certainly we're not uh, giving prescriptions out to people. So I'll take it like that. But I would love it if people would call in and have questions about their chronic uh, situations and issues. And maybe uh, Angela can provide some clarity in terms of how they might have picked up something and what they can do with their energetic body and their consciousness to uh, embark on self-healing. It does work. You can self-heal. You can use meditation and a lot of other uh methodologies to uh to get yourself in a more healthy position our guest number if you want to give us a call it's 347-945-5834 347-945-5834 so i hope to call in i'm going to bring angela on right now good evening how are you angela i'm fantastic how are you I'm good, and we have a great connection. We used a direct connect here on Blog Talk Radio tonight. This is, I think, the second time I've used it, and it's amazing. It's so much clearer than uh, when somebody just calls in. So it's like you're right here with me in the studio. So welcome to the show, and there's so much stuff going on with you. Tell us about what's happening. Well, actually, today, I know in your bio, you said that I host a weekly radio show on Entanglement on, on IOM. Uh, FM. Today was actually my last show on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Entanglement Radio is still going to uh, be a thing, and it's actually going to become a podcast. But I just really, I just feel like, you know, I'm listening to you talk about the election and where we're headed and all of that. I just feel like we really need to open our minds, open our hearts, and have conversations. Like I said, transdisciplinary. I think we need to be able to get step out of our ideology. And you see that so um, exemplified right now with the red versus blue, the Democrats versus the Republicans. Um, we need to be able to step out of that because 
our solutions, we're kind of on the brink of stuff right now. And uh, our solutions are not either or. It's not going to be red is going to come up with everything or blue knows all the answers. It's going to be a conversation about things. It's not just going to be oil production that that gives us or alternative um, energy. It's going to be a both end conversation. And the only way that we can do that is to bring people together to, to cross um, floors, to cross disciplines, to really just open our hearts and minds to have this. So that's kind of where I'm at is that I wanted to take entanglement radio because right now we primarily talk about um, issues of consciousness and spirituality, which I think is so fantastic and important, but I want to talk about the potentials and possibility of what it means to be human in technology in science in metaphysics, uh, medicine, you know, every, every discipline and trying to have these forward thinking conversations, solution-based conversations. So that's kind of human potential is just, right on my brain right now and where I'm at. Now, why is it that um, that uh, that is on your brain right now? I mean, what is it about human potential that uh, we're not, uh, are we on the cusp of something special happening in your opinion, or are we neglecting our potential because we, a lot, so many people are, you know, they're locked into jobs or careers or whatever. It's just that because they can't get out of it because tech and, you know, technology in a way is, they talk about, you know, uh, immigrant workers, or whatever, taking jobs, which I think is, is not the case. Um, uh, technology is really taking a lot of jobs away because there's no need for people to do as much. Um, and, you know, except that there's manufacturing of things, you know, that that a lot of that's done overseas now. But here in the States, there's so many technology companies that it's, uh, you know, it's good for the economy in a way, but it's bad because they don't need that many people. Well, I think you have touched on so many things. I think the first issue is is we have industrial age thinking and an information age. You're absolutely correct when you say technology is is taking away jobs. We need to rethink what we're doing here. We need to look at, okay, we are moving towards a more automated society. And as we do that, um, how do, how do we still have this feeling of potential? How do we still connect to our purpose and feel passionate? And exactly. I think... It, what I'm talking about is not just a, you know, we'll just tweak a little thing over here or tweak a little thing over there. Like I really do feel that um, our environmental challenges that we're facing right now, they are going to be dictating our next 50 years. And we can look at it with this industrial age thinking, like, what are we going to do? How do we keep living this life that we're living with, you know, this mass consumer driven society? Or are we going to realize that there's, more important work for for us to be doing and i don't necessarily mean that work like a cashier but inner work spiritual work we're going to have to look at mm-hmm. if we have all this opportunity to have our jobs done um uh, you have them automated what does that free us up to do and hopefully that frees us up to um live a, a more purposeful passionate life versus i think we get so stuck in this fear mindset that you know like if we don't have jobs what about the economy what about the and that's why i say we need to get big we need to think of stuff outside of this um industrialized thinking of you know manufacturing and 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 we have to realize that in order for us to move we have to be able to envision something bigger than we're doing right now so I can talk about this a lot, but I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to. If I was just thinking, like uh, I want to make sure we cover the salient points for you, but I would like to continue this a little bit further, if it's okay. I mean, to me, yeah. I come from the world of marketing and advertising, and I know the advertising business. When I got into it, it was, it was like madmen in that you know there was ideas and campaigns, and now even with the what you see on TV for the traditional advertising because so many digital ads and stuff, it's, it's, everything's promotionally driven. It's, it, there's no big, there's not that many big ideas besides a positioning, if you will. And the business has become so metrically driven and it's interesting. I know so many people still in the business and they're all, except if you're at the very top of the food chain and those people aren't moving unless they get tossed out, that it's it, most people in the industry are pretty miserable because the creativity has been sucked out of it. The clients don't treat the agencies as partners anymore. It's basically you're a vendor. 
this is what I need, give it to me. And they're directing the creative in a lot of instances. And, and yet you see people working in that business harder than ever, spending more hours. And I actually think from my experience in business in the corporate world for over 30 years that people, some people, they just like to go to work and they'll come in early and they'll stay really late. And I don't know if they have any place else to go, but I think there's enough hours in the day for the most part to do the work. Now you have deadlines and sometimes projects come up, but I can't, I, I didn't have to work many weekends in any job because I worked my ass off during the day and uh, I got done. I didn't goof around, but I think a lot of people find some kind of cocooning comfort by going to an office and being a drone. I don't know. What are your thoughts on corporate lifestyle and, and uh, work in general in terms of how, and how people can break out of this? Well, you know, this actually um, lends itself to the reason that I wrote my book, Healing Environment, is that I think that fundamentally as a society, the reason why we're sick is because of everything you were just explaining, is that we have set up this consumerist-based society where that's what you do. You work so you can buy stuff, and then you come home and you sit and you watch other uh, you consume media, you consume, you know, Netflix or movies or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And so we've set this up as our as our life. And so some people feel comfortable just getting up and going to work because that's the way we've kind of we've uh, set our sights outside of ourselves that, you know, what what do we need to buy? What is the latest piece of technology? What is this that is going that we can bring into our lives so that we can feel happiness instead of moving from the inside out? And I think that what you were just describing is a just a a byproduct of our consumer lifestyle that we've created that is, I mean, it's going to be short-lived. That's what I think, you know, I think that the the people at the top that work in these corporations, I think that they know, they can see that this is coming. They can see this shift happening, whether that shift is being fully driven by our ecological and environmental challenges, or if they're, they're seeing this more shift in our culture towards this more cooperation base. And to, to bring up Trump again, I think it's like uh, the last stand, kind of like, you know, it's like the last vestige of this industrial age thinking of, you know, it's all me, 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 America's great. And America is great, don't get me wrong, but um, we're, we need to move forward. There's no way, there's not an, a species or an organism on this planet that moves back in their evolution. They, that just doesn't happen anywhere. A lot of people would like to move back, though, you know, make America great again. Like, you know, America is an idea. It just keeps moving. And you you have to stay with the program and be adaptable. America is constantly changing because it's unlike any other country. You have people from all over the world come here. Some stay, some go back. It doesn't matter. It's 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 it continues to reinvent and reshape itself. And the thing I fear about what Donald Trump is is spewing is that he's like make it great again he wants to go go back and i don't think i agree with you i don't think we can go back i think you got to keep moving forward and you have to adapt and you have to be flexible and open-minded but he's basically saying everybody else sucks and everybody in this country who's running things sucks except for him and he's got all of these low self-esteem people who say oh he's a bully i'll i'll go behind him he's going to make america great again and they have no idea it does they don't even care what he his his plan is because it's all over the place. And some of the things he says, like, okay, he's like kind of anti-vaccine. I'm like, yeah, I don't believe you can, I'm not a big proponent of all these mandatory vaccines for people. Um, But, you know, everybody has a different opinion on that. But, um, and that's a very way liberal position for him. Yet on other stuff, he's, you know, build a wall and keep people out, which frankly won't even work because people don't just come in over a, a land border, they can come in over the water, in air or water, or from from different borders. Or the or the terrorists that he's uh, so concerned about. A lot of them are here already, probably. So he's just got it. You can't go backwards. No, you can't. And I think that that um, that's why I mean, I think him rising up. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, like from an archetype. I mean, he's a classic bully archetype. He just is that pattern. And I've just been spending a lot of time thinking about why now? Why is somebody who is so, um, so big Great in the point. way that he is? Like there's 
protests and um, violence and, and, and just, you just, I just think it's like this one shot that it's like, okay, once we see it, that we can just get over it then. We can move, get on to this, this business of evolving and creating something better for us. Because going back to that corporate culture thing is, we, that's where our, our, our illness stems from, right? We've, we've created food that's uh, prepackaged, easy. We can go through a drive through food that's hard on our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that you were talking of kind of about the, there's no creativity in, in marketing. I'm thinking like a parallel. If we look at our factory oh, farming, it's system, changed. right? Mm-hmm. It's, um, I mean, the, that, the, mm-hmm. There's no more beauty. There's no more focus on the food and the land and being in harmony with that. It's like, how do we just produce this as cheap as possible for the most right. people? And I'm like, we see that, you know, you used advertising, but we see that in so many other different industries. How do we mass produce and take away the soul of things? And I think that it's that reason that we're seeing so much um chronic illness is because we're in resistance on every level. Our, our, our bodies are like, yes, let's expand. We've got this expanded consciousness and yet we're putting it in bodies that are just not capable of this expansion. And our world is not capable of this type of expansion, like the, the way that we're doing it now. So we need to, I don't know. So Trump to me is just a, a symbol of, uh, the dying of the industrial age thinking. I think you're right. <laughs> Just to take the thought, and we'll put the Donald aside for a second, but in terms of the, the, you know, the healthy environment. So now you have the workers, and I've experienced this in advertising, where you don't even go to lunch anymore. People either bring their food in to save money, or they go out and get a salad in a plastic tray for 10 bucks or whatever in New York, and they sit at their desk, and they're staring at their consu- at their computer, whether they're looking at, you know, Baseball scores or they're doing their work is another thing, but they're locked on that all day. When they go outside the building, they're staring at their phone. And, you know, the the mindfulness of just consciously even eating isn't even there. I mean, you know, you're just shoveling food in while you're while you're working. You don't even taste the food anymore. And I think that's how a lot of these food manufacturers uh, get can get away with putting out such crappy food now is because... People aren't sitting there slowly eating, enjoying it, being mindful and conscious and taking in the nutrients, which, you know, nowadays there's not that much nutrient in uh, any packaged food. So I guess the question then becomes, what can the day-to-day person who has to pay bills, like I feel bad for the millennials because they've got a raw deal. They get out of college, they're in debt already from their college loans. Um, and then they have to take some intern job. A lot of times they're not getting even paid for that. When they finally get a job, I know here in New York, there are you know, five, five people living in a one-bedroom apartment, and, and it's really tough. And then how do you have time to find ways to expand your consciousness when you're living in a, a cocoon with all these other people and – you want to blow off steam, so you're, you know, binge drinking basically, and uh, hooking up through Tinder, and it's beca- and then watching binge watching Netflix, and just or just laying around on your downtime, or you use your energy, you go to Soul Cycle, and you do these crazy spin classes where it's just, it's a beauty pageant and a, and a competition and and voguing all at the same time. I mean, the lifestyle it doesn't seem to be getting better. So what what can people do? to step aside, step outside of what's happening and get a hold of themselves. Well, you know, everything that you were listing from the Netflix to the binge drinking to the Tinder hookup, I mean, those are all just distractions. We have become such, I mean, and that's why we're on our phones. If people literally got off their phones and created some sort of boundaries between their you know, their, their tech life and their real life, that would even, because now I bet you if somebody went and they, they cataloged their day and they realized how much of their day is necessary to be on a computer. I know, you know, you write, I write, we have radio shows, mm-hmm. we're on computers. Yep. So there's some things that are just necessary. But yep. if they were to catalog their day and look at how often they're on their phones when they're checking baseball scores or on Facebook or, you know, social media, <laughs> Right. Like everything that you listed was a distraction. And so there's time. It's just not a priority. 
Um, and, you know, I want to say one thing, because this is, you know, I'm 30, I'm, I'll be 38 next month. And so this whole thing about the millennials, um, it kind of bothers me because <laughs> they, I, I don't know what happened. And I, this is something I thought a lot about, too, is I don't know what happened in our society that we, like, they, many times people will graduate now and they've never even had a job. I worked my butt off. Yeah, <laughs> I was the, the, the brunch queen through university and every Saturday, Sunday, I work brunch and then usually one night a week. But there are so many people, the reason they have to take interim jobs is because they've never had any real life skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, no, that's, a I, that's a generalization. So I, I, I've met some that haven't, but I also know quite a few people who work in HR and, you know, they'll show up late for their interviews. They still live at home. They, you know, and I think that mm-hmm. that, that when we're talking about the larger conversation of potential we need to be responsible for where we're at in our lives. Yes, there are definitely situations that are outside of our control, but if we don't look at the nature of reality and our um, role in that, I think that that, again, leads us to more distraction, right? More, how do I, how do I just get through my day versus this is my day and I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to live it. Yeah, it's, it's I've, uh, research says that for millennials, 90% of them sleep with their phone. That means either having the phone in bed or like right next to them so where they can just grab it. That's 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 amazing. Um, I mean, I keep my phone near my on my bedstand uh, just because I have an alarm on it. But that that's it, and I I do everything possible not to reach for it first thing in the morning. I don't actually. I do a meditation um, because it's just like. Ugh. You know, you want to go on Facebook at 7 a.m.? I don't think so. But a lot of people, they're just wired in at all times. And, you know, you go out. You can go out to a bar or something. Everybody, you walk through the bars, all millennials, everybody's staring at their phone. They have their beer in front of them. They're staring at their phone unless they're with a group of people. And if that's the case, half of them are staring at their phone anyhow. And, uh, you know, I think social skills have suffered as a result because, you know, when I was out on a, you know, young buck. I was out there like, hi, my name's Bob. Can I buy you a drink? You know, you had to go up and approach women uh, if you wanted to meet them. Uh, and whether it's in a bookstore or at the laundromat or in a class or whatever. But nowadays it seems like, you know, with all of the apps and everything, it's uh, the guys are getting lazy. And I think a lot of the women are getting, I do a lot of interviews with relationship experts and a lot of women are saying guys have no you know, no balls anymore. And, uh, and women are kind of running the show and, uh, and deservedly so. And it's a problem though for them because they're like, they want men to be men. So the whole society is getting kind of flipped upside down. So what, what can we do about that? (laughs) I don't know if this is, you know, I've actually been with my husband for 18 years. So we met when we were, yeah, 19, um, we've been married for, I don't know, 12 of 13 years. I don't know. Um, so I I don't know that I can speak to this day and age of that, but it goes back to, you know, I said that we're taking the soul out of things and um, what, and the, the idea of the creativity and the writing and, you know, being an artist, whatever that is for you, we've taken that away and replaced it with our phones. And so no wonder our communication skills are, lacking and we're not That's true. Um, that was my point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, how, how do we get creative if everything is always being fed to us? I think that's one of the, the biggest things is our lack of imagination now. And that has to do whether you're trying to, you know, schmooze a girl or, <laughs> you know, come up with, with a, a, an ad or whatever the case may be is, when we're, everything is being fed to us, we lack our cre- we we lack our imagination, and that to me is thinking of our larger global problems. That's a really big problem too, because we can't have those outside of the box solutions when we don't take the time to be able to to look within and get connected to that creative consciousness. Yeah, you know it's interesting too. The other part of it is when you get into the what people do in their free time for entertainment, whether it's Netflix or whatever. But I walk, you know, go down into the subway and there's all the posters there for all the different, there's a, you know, anytime a new show or something comes up, it's on Netflix or true TV or comedy channel, whatever, and, or a movie. And it's either somebody with a gun pointing out towards the 
you know, pointing at you or mm-hmm. somebody with a sword or somebody with bloody hands or the dysfunctional group of people, uh, you know, the, the mopey dysfunctional family or the mopey dysfunctional two couples who hang out together or the I'm your worst nightmare girlfriend and her best friend. And, you know, the whole Amy Schumer thing where it's like talks about her vagina all the time and it's all about, you know, <laughs> falling down drunk. And a lot of people find her hilarious. And I think she's a reflection of the time now. But it's like, is this drunk girl humor or something like is this is what is this what we are aspiring to? And I, I don't want to be a, you know, cranky, cranky male. But I, it just seems like the, you know, if you look at Showtime, you look at HBO now, it used to be just Showtime where they had Shameless and uh, so many other uh, this. Uh, so many, if you look at their schedule, there's so many shows on Showtime that are about really dysfunctional people. Um, and now you've got HBO is start getting that way. Also, I was watching the first couple of episodes of vinyl and it's so unpleasant to watch. It's such a cool subject matter, you know, a record company in the seventies, yet everybody's a jerk and everybody's dysfunctional and it's like total chaos and, uh, drugs and backstabbing and lying and cheating and even murder in the first episode. Um, it's like, you know, what happened? There's no blue sky shows like, you know, say what you want about entourage or sex in the city, but they were fun and they created this blue sky world, but there doesn't seem to be any, any show like that right now. And I think there's going to be a time where the pendulum's going to swing back where people are going to say either I'm not watching that stuff or I want to watch something that has a different point of view. I mean, even, you know, I saw The Revenant. I read the book. I saw the movie. Fantastic story. It's gruesome to watch. It was really tough to watch that. Um, you know, I just saw on Netflix like uh, San Andreas the other night. It's just uh, two hours of complete mayhem. <laughs> it's like every movie seems to be, unless it's an indie movie, it's either comic book superheroes, uh, the end of the world, or complete m- misfits. Uh, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on the media and what's being spewed out there at people? And not to say the news, the news is just everything horrible. And then they put well, a little funny story about a, you know, a raccoon who, uh, you know, smokes a cigar or something at the end of the news. And, uh, that's it. Or a duck who rides a bicycle. But that, you know, most of it is like they, the Zika virus, like I didn't even have time to process what it is. And they're making me think that, you know, if a mosquito bites me, I'm going to be in traction the next day. Yeah. I, well, you know, you are hitting on something big and I think there's many levels to have that conversation, but ultimately it just, it um, serves to lower our expectation. Uh, you're right. If it's all doom and gloom, if it's all dysfunction, uh, end of the world. And you think about if, if we don't have, and that's kind of why I got so passionate about this human potential thing is we need other ways out of this than what we're being fed because it does, it lowers our expectation. It becomes normal. It becomes the norm to, you know, (laughs) be like Amy Schumer or even look at our uh, fascination with reality TV shows, right? How many channels now have more and more reality, quote unquote, reality TV shows that, um, and it Mm -hmm. just, it, lowers our imagination it lowers our expectation and it really doesn't leave us with any uh food for where we're where we need to go next like these if they're all nutritionally void of (laughs) of of soul of of anything that um connects us to to one another in the way that we need to and i think that that's even talking about individual potential in order to to connect with that we need to unravel the fear and we can't unravel the fear if everything we're looking at from the 24-hour news cycles to all of the shows are all about violence. And, and don't get me wrong. I love I love uh, comic book adaptation movies and series, and I love them. I think they're fantastic. But that can't be the only food for our soul. It has to, we have to be able to explore um, other things, other ideas that allow us, that give us a way out of where we're at instead of just, distraction what do you think of like uh you know these shows all the zombie shows and then like the walking dead what does that say about society i haven't watched one episode of the walking dead and i know a lot of my uh nieces and nephews and stuff they can't get it can't get enough of it 
Uh, and I'm like, why? I, I've turned it on for like 10 minutes or so. I was like, what? But it's huge. Yeah, I actually, I've seen a few few episodes. Like when I was younger in my late teens and early 20s, I loved like a good bee zombie flick. Like the, you know, the super gory where the blood shoots out all, you know, you just could tell that it was just a... Mm-hmm. Gory to be gory, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, but I think now it it is um, more of a reflection. Well, one, I think it gets our adrenaline pumping and we get connected the same way that any of the the superhero movies or anything, you know, this keeps you on the edge of your seat. But the uh, these end of time kind of shows where it's just exploitation of the worst aspects of human nature. Yes, they're entertaining. And I think they would have less of an effect if we were more grounded, if we had a a larger connection to who we are, what we really care about, what our values are, what's important to us. If we, I I think it it would be less, um, it would be less important to have those things out there if it wasn't the only thing that people were looking at. And when everybody, like you said, you go into the subway, you go into a bar, a restaurant, um, everybody's just on their phone. And I think that that the next 20 years are just are, are a big, giant human experiment, I think, as far as the way the media um, influences us and the way that our technology distracts us. Now, what do you think is going to happen? And what do you let's let's talk about what do you think is going to happen and how do you want your new uh your new portal, if you will, Conversations from the Brink. How do you want that to impact what's going on out there? Tell us a little bit about what that's going to be about and when that's going to launch. Well, so I have the bones of the site up now, but that was more just me um, playing and building my website. But it really, it is what we are talking about. So I want to talk about the potential and possibilities of what it means to be human, um, not only uh, from my radio show, Entanglement Radio, but also I want to have people contribute. I want to have, uh, you know, personal growth ideas. I want to have um, co- contributions from ecology. I want to have all of those both end solutions. So it's really going to be a, a place for three, free thinkers to come where they can find the the stuff that's contrary to what we were just talking about instead of just focusing on the negative aspects of of some of human nature because I really don't think it's all of human nature people can come and they can get excited about perhaps um, ecological solutions or talk about some of these ideas of of um, integral philosophy and spiral dynamics and and just um, just have it to be this this hub of I, I like to say the transdisciplinary amalgamation of all, everything that it means to be uh, human and what what is possible. So none, it's so easy to look at things like kind of like we've been doing, and it's easy to fall into that pattern where we can pick out all of the things that are wrong with right. our society. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I think it's there's a small uh, importance in that and being able to be critical and to to step have more of an objective viewpoint. But I also think it's more important, and this is where people live their life on purpose or, or um, feel passionate, is when you work towards something. And for me, you know, that might be health and mind-body stuff. For somebody else, that might be environmentalism. It would be my thing too. But, um, you know, for somebody else, it might be uh, technology and the way science can assist us at this time, but it's forward-thinking, solution-based um, ideas that cross all disciplines that take us towards something. Instead of, you know, spending our time uh, taking things down or um, being critical, it's like I'm going to put my time and energy into something that moves us somewhere productive mm-hmm. and, yep. and ahead. Instead of, you know. Just noticing, because that's, I think when we get stuck in that that place, that's where people feel um, like they're not effective. Like they just have to get up, go to work, come home, go, you know, watch Netflix and do the same thing over and over again. It's, But it starts with unraveling that fear and then figuring out who you are at the core. And that's like what your values are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Um, what are the things that you know, you get excited about when you hear 
and and being able to pull all of those things and then take action in your life. So, yeah. how, how how can people, uh, you know, claim their worth, uh, claim their divinity, get in touch with their divine self, and realize that? And a lot of people don't even get that. And I'm not saying that in a uh, punitive way. I'm just saying that people don't necessarily think that way. They think like God or sources out there and you're here and you're like, please help me because you're out there and I'm over here and they don't. And I, I sure I fall into that sometimes also, but they don't see that, 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 that eternal spark is in every single person. And as Jesus even said, you're, you know, you're God, everybody's God. Um, how, how can people kind of get back to that and what are some steps they can do, um, on a, on a daily basis? I, I know, I know for myself, I've been doing so much work on myself and I've found, and this is part of the question also that I've, I've really made huge progress and meditation every day and different types of meditation with different programs and stuff on my own. And, and I've read and interviewed so many guests like yourself that, my path has actually gotten in some ways much calmer, but in other ways, a lot more difficult. So I guess it's a big question is how can people get started connecting and seeing themselves as being divine and claiming their worth? Number one, number two, once they get on that path, why is it that things seem to get harder? And I've talked to a lot of people and they say, yeah, that path is a tough one. And then how can people get to that next level? (laughs) Well, I like that. I like the idea of claiming your divinity because I really do. I think it's important for those people who think of God and and I use the word God and I'm comfortable with that. Although, you know, Mm -hmm. my idea of God is probably a little bit bigger or different. I don't want to say bigger than um, from a strictly religious perspective. But I like this idea that, you know, we are part of God or that might be source or divinity or spirit, whatever works for you. But there is also something bigger than us. So I don't want to take all of all of that away, but that we are kind of I like to think of it. We're holographs of a larger whole. So we're pieces of something larger. We're not all of it, but we are um, we are definitely part of it. So but the the first thing, like you said, is it's meditation and meditation has a lot of connotation for you. Um, just conscious breathing. You need to have some time where you're not distracted and you can just breathe in and out of your heart and you can just connect. I always, my tagline for my work is calm mind, open heart, inspired lives. So if we can learn to just mm-hmm. spend some time just being in this moment, because that's where all that information is, that inner knowing that, you know, the wisdom, the connection to source is in this present moment. So anything that you can do that allows you to be in the moment of now. That's, I mean, incredible. And I think the easiest way of doing that, it doesn't require equipment. It's just following your breath, just being with your breath as it moves in and out of the body. And that's really, um, I think, the the first and most important thing. I've said before, and I stick by it, that I think meditation can change the world. And I don't mean that. Um, I think it's that important. Once you find time to go within, you can find what you can do without is one of my things that I love to say. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, and I've mentioned this a few times, but write down what you what you value. You know, people think that they know what they care about and then you ask them on the spot. So tell me a few of your values. And they're all, uh, uh, I know I care about things. Write them down. Be very purposeful and deliberate about what it is. And even if you have to Google a list of values so it gets the creative juices flowing, and then go and take action on those values. That's how you connect to divinity because that's part of the, the purpose of um, of our life is being able to live in alignment with what it is we care about. And it, until we take that time to breathe in and out of our bodies and then think with a nice, calm mind, what do I really care about in this world? The rest is all just going through the motions. So that's a really important part. And so now the you, second part, go. sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Well, the sorry, second no. part you asked is why is this path harder? And at any time you're more aware, it's in a way it's very easy to get up. Um, you know, you go through the drive through on the way to work, go to work or take the subway or whatever the case may be. Um, and then come home and watch TV. It's very, it doesn't require 
doesn't require much of you. It doesn't ask a lot of you to, to just do that. But when you start to be a seeker and you start to look within, you, you realize your stuff. And I think that's part of why people want to be distracted is that you start to notice that, oh, wow, I do have fears. I do realize that that belief I have, my fear of failure or success or that I'm not good enough, that start that information, because I said the, the moment of now it contains an infinite amount of information and you start to see that stuff that starts to bubble up and that can be difficult because now all of a sudden you're staring at some of your personal demons instead of it just being something you just push mm -hmm. to the side right. after you as you watch your movie right and as you become more aware it's not that this stuff goes away it's not that you don't feel pain or sadness in fact you'll feel it more deeply but that's the stuff of life to me is to to be in that experience, whatever the case may be. Um, and so sometimes it might be that you notice the pain more, but when you breathe with the pain, when you're there and you actually allow it its moment, it dissipates instead of it just being this thing that that's why I say the first line of my book is disease is resistance. It's like this low level um, inflammation that's like emotional, physical, mental, energetic, because we just push everything away and we push it to the side. And the thing is, is it bubbles up very physically. And that's why we have two thirds of our population is overweight or obese. That's why we have the, the crazy statistics for chronic illness and they're on the rise. It's because we're not being with our stuff. We're not experiencing it. And when we allow it its moment, it starts to dissipate. And it's it's not an easy road, but to me, it's why we're here. Now, uh, let's let's define for for our listeners, you know, chronic illness. Would that be things like arthritis, and or what, what would what would be in that kind of bag? So, chronic illness, yes, is things that are long term, so they're not acute. They're something that we deal with, like lupus um, or something. Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. basically they, you know, sometimes people will say they're diseases of choice because mostly chronic illnesses are lifestyle diseases. For the most part, the large majority, um, they arise because of our lifestyle choices. And then they're chronic. They continue because we continue to make the same things, the same choices over and over again. Um, something like type 2 diabetes is a great example because most if type 2 diabetes could almost be completely eradicated if people changed their diet and started to move their bodies. But again, we we don't live in a world that says, hey, look within, let's do this work. And, it, you know, changing our diet and the way we move our bodies is not an easy task because it's so connected to our beliefs and our cultural mores and, you know, how our our familial customs and there's so many things connected with that eating for emotions or stress or whatever and until we learn to look at that stuff it's very difficult to just say on a very surface level okay eat more fruits and vegetables and stay mm -hmm. away from five foods because that stuff is so connected to everything else and until we look at that everything else that's going on um, it's just not enough to know oh this is how you do it it's like you got to understand the why's you know, it's interesting uh, that you mention that because type two diabetes, you know, it, it's 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 on the rise. I have a I have a good buddy, uh, and he's got type two diabetes. I go out with him, and uh, you know, he's drinking drinking beer, like a lot of beer, eating sliders and deviled eggs. I know he loves deviled eggs or wings or something. And I'm like, I don't say anything because it's not my business. But how, if I had type two diabetes, I would stop drinking immediately. I, I just yeah. wouldn't drink because alcohol is, is, is sugar uh, and uh, it's just not good for you. And if you keep going type two diabetes, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, it can lead to blindness. It's not, you know, peering out. There's a lot of baby boomers who, who, who haven't taken care of themselves and they're starting to get the signs of things going wrong. I know I was blessed by, I had a kidney stone uh, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And they did a CT CAT scan on me and they found a, a growth on each one of my kidneys. And I had, and I didn't, who thinks about their kidneys? I had robotic surgery uh, back to back within a five week period on each kidney. And, uh, you know, they say, oh, robotic surgery, it's not bad. Believe me, it's surgery. It's not good. And, uh, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're having something cut out of your kidney, I mean, they've got to tie your, it, it's, it's, it's real. <laughs> let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, and it was touch and go, but fortunately, 
it was 100% successful. And my physicians told me there's a 98% chance you'll never have anything, you know, in this area again. So we're, you're lucky that this happened. Now I was lucky and my lifestyle was good, but I, but I've sure I partied, I partied hard in the past and I'm sure that must've had some type of factor, but you know, now my lifestyle, I'm like, I'm not going back there again. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do anything that's going to give, put me in a position to, uh, you know, injure my health. But I see so many people, uh, and I'm at a good trim weight and everything, and I'm, I'm running better than I did 20 years ago, even yet. I know so many men, particularly my age who, you know, they don't realize that they haven't changed anything and they don't realize that the longer you go without adapting, making these changes, when you get hit with something, the hit is going to be a lot more impactful the older you get. So the time to really, you know, when you hit 40, you know, when you hit 45, 50, 55, you better take inventory of yourself and really start to make some changes. You don't have to drink beer the same way you did when you were 21. You know, you don't have to do that. People can make some changes, uh, but they don't. Everybody just thinks they're just going to keep going, and then people just start dropping. Like, bang, they get sick, and it's, and it's over. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on our – is it our society that's driving that, that nobody <laughs> even takes the time to think about their health? Well, I think it goes back to uh, what becomes normal. Uh, we, we talked about the um, reality TV shows and the violence and – and what has become normalized in our society? Well, I think this, you know, the food that is just creating such inflammation in our body as well has become normalized, as well as all of the, you know, the, the aspects of like going to work, coming home, you know, needing to having to deal with your stress. So you drink like a few glasses of wine and then you just mm-hmm. sit and you watch and then you're very sedentary. And the thing is, is what, what I like to do when I coach with clients is, is it, it's a balance. Really it is. Cause next week I'm actually Sunday, I'm going to Mexico and you can bet that probably at least one day that week, I'm probably going to have a margarita at noon. Absolutely. And, sure. <laughs> and the thing is, but I, I know that that's not who I am. I know that I'm not going to come home and start having margaritas at noon, but I can <sighs> enjoy the experience, sure. right? While I'm there. And that's the thing. When people bring their awareness into this moment, so many of those other things fall away because a lot of those things like being sedentary and distracted and eating the quick, easy food that, you know, hits all those uh, receptor sites in the brain. Um, it's because we're, t- we have stress and we maybe have relationship problems and, uh, you know, trauma from our past and we have all of this stuff. And instead of looking at it and having that awareness, we find other ways to take care of it. So I used to say that, you know, in my mind, body, weight loss work, that weight gain is a symptom of imbalance, something that there's something else going on. It's not just about the food or just about moving our bodies. It's about getting underneath that and understanding who we are and why we're here. And as we start to bring our awareness into this present moment, you learn to trust yourself and you learn to realize that you're not just at the you know, just, oh, look at now I'm just going to go here and there and I have no choice. And you decided after that happened to you to be very deliberate and to be accountable for your actions and really think about this is the life I want to have. These are the things my son, my wife, these things are important to me. I want to be here and not only just be here, but have a really excellent quality of life. And you were able to come to that because you were aware, because you were present, and you made those choices mm-hmm. and were accountable. And I think that that's ultimately what people have to do and be able to find, because I think they get into this all or none place again, that it's like either, you know, oh, I have to give everything up. It's like, no, find that balance, decide what's important to you, and then take action on that. And realize that sometimes when you're on holidays or your old college buddy comes to town, that it's okay oh, sure. for you to, to do that. But what is the life you want to live and how do you take that action? And that's where we feel purpose. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, and thank you for the kind words. I actually felt that that could have been it. I was lucky and I was giving a chance. So based on that, I'm like 2.0, I'm Robert Manny 2.0 and I've got this chance and I've got to do something special with it. And uh, I'm super appreciative and thankful every morning when I wake up every night, when I go to bed, I say, first thing I say in the morning to myself is I'm aligned to truth 
and just making sure that I'm locked into what truth is and not allowing anything that's not in my best interest for my highest self to be expelled from me and just always connecting with the truth of who I am. And I think it makes a big difference. It's helped me a lot though. As, as you know, I had mentioned to you offline that uh, every once in a while you go through these choppy periods where the the path of self-awareness brings up a lot of stuff and it's like, whoa. And it's like, how do you handle that? And it's almost like you have to really want it. You have to really want to do special things with yourself and, and the world to, to, to get there. But, uh, but that's okay. I think what you're doing is really special. Um, Angela. So tell us um, where our listeners can find you and what they should be looking for and how you can help everybody out. <laughs> well, they can. my main website is HestiaHealth.com. Uh, Hestia is a Greek goddess. Her name is spelled H-E-S-T-I-A. So that's HestiaHealth.com. And uh, you can find my book, Healing Environment, The Conscious Creation of Health. You can find that on Amazon. And look forward to um, conversations from the brink. I'm hoping to have that up in the next two or three weeks, and it's going to be a site all about potential and the possibilities of what it means to be human, both for the individual and for the collective. And so you'll be able to find out more about that um, at HestiaHealth.com, as well as just looking for that in the future. Well, it sounds fantastic, and uh, hopefully we can get you back when that's up and running, um, because I think what you're doing is is groundbreaking. Now, I don't know anybody who's doing that, and I think it's a great idea, and I think you're the perfect person to do that. And I also want to thank you just oh, thank for being you. the person you are, the work you're doing uh, so selflessly, and uh, you're just a very special person. So I'm honored that you're on the show, and I really like knowing you. And I'm just a conversation like this, I could go on for I could go on for another hour without even thinking about it because uh, you just uh, you really get it. So thanks so much, Angela. Well, thank you for those kind words. And also, thank you for the work that you are doing out there. Um, I love I really enjoy your blend of, uh, you know, the guy's guy feel. But as well, you you pull in that um, the the beauty of the, the feminine as well. I hope that that feels OK for you. But I yeah, absolutely. know you psychics and you have you're just very open-minded and i uh, i really appreciate that as well well thanks so one of the reasons you know for the show is when when and when men and women can be at their best everyone wins and i think for men today's men we have to be open to stuff i was i was into a uh, texting battle with a uh, an old buddy of mine and he was telling me you're a liberal flowers and beads and all of this and i was like laughing to myself uh but he he asked me a lot of stuff about spirituality and things like that. And at first he gave me a lot of pushback, but then I could tell that he, it got him thinking and that's what we want to do. We want to get people thinking because people are smart and the, the self-awareness is there. It's a matter of unlocking it and helping be, people be the person they can be. And you've helped me. So I thank you and you've helped our listeners for being on the show. And I hope that we're helping listeners overall with guys, guys radio. So thank you so much, Angela. Thank you. All right. And we'll talk soon. And uh, I'm going to get back to you on that nice note that you sent me. So uh, I will uh, be in touch. So thanks so much. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Okay, folks. That was our special guest, Angela Levesque. And uh, she really does great work. I urge you to check out her book, Healing Environment, The Consciousness Creation of Health, and also her website at HestiaHealth.com. Um, it's been a great show, and I love having conversations with people who are really future thinking and uh, into helping people. And as we discussed, you know, when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins, and it's work. And uh, it should be fun, but it, it's still work, and it's still about being conscious and being mindful and being about stepping away from the noise and understanding that we're all on the same level. We're all, everybody. Everybody you see when you walk down the street is worthy of God's love. Everybody, even the people who are doing bad things because they came from God and they're deserving. So don't forget that. And if you keep that in mind every day, if you remind yourself of that, the world will be a better place. So remember, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs> <laughs> 